You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. This is a show about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. And on a good day, it does both which is pretty much what happened the other night as I sat in Willie Mammoth's rehearsal hall for a night of stand-up comedy, kindness of three ensemble members from Second City who are in town with the current production of Nothing to Lose But Our Chains. Thelonious Monk, Odinaka Ezekoli, and Calvin Evans said they were indulging their own itch for some stand-up on a night that Willie was otherwise dark. And then Calvin said something like, comedy is all about observation, And little bells went off in my head. So I asked the three of them to join me to talk about comedy and observation and curiosity and why it's never just about the jokes. So welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Hey, what's up? It's great to have you here. So so talk to me. Calvin, I want to start with you. This was your line. Talk to me about comedy and observation. Uh, for me, my I, I say that my comedy is observational philosophy. We don't have uh, philosophers anymore. We don't have modern day philosophers. So I feel like that's what comedy is. It it takes the world and it makes sense of it in some shape or form. And for me, I like to observe life as it is and try to figure out the things that we kind of take for granted and say, oh, it is what it is. I like to try to find a place where it's like, oh, no, this is why that is mm. to try to make sense of it. So I'll, to, to look at it, to question it, to say, well, why is it like that? And then find my own spin or rhyme or reason to why it exists. Well, you know, it's interesting because I actually, I went and I looked up the definition of observation, of observe, because I thought, well, what is it? Does that mean something particular? And it's actually, you know, that it's not only that you perceive something, but that you register it as being significant, mm-hmm. which I think is what you guys do, right? I mean, you're sort of seeing stuff and then calling it out. It's like there's a there's a something behind this, right? You're peeling back the onion. I think the um, the bigger part for me is everybody sees the exact same things. We all live in pretty much the same world, and so when you see people, um, you know, talking about race or or gender or politics or whatever, we're, we're all literally seeing the exact same thing. And comedy is not just uh, a way to peel back the onion on those ideas. It tells us something about ourselves and how we think. Um, so when you see two comics basically taking the same premise or the same idea and talking about it from two different places, you see how people's minds work differently, right? So, so Monk, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you think people actually do see the same thing? I think people see the same thing through different lenses, and uh-huh. a different lens can absolutely change the way that thing that you're looking at looks. You know, we're, the, Doug Jones looks different to people than Roy Moore, right? Like Roy Moore should absolutely look the same to all of us. He should look like Mm -hmm. a pedophile who has no reason being elected. (laughs) But clearly there are a bunch of people who see something that I can't see. So I have to I have to assume they have a different filter. Not that we're seeing the same thing and they're just terrible people. I hope. I hope. Maybe, yeah. maybe they're just oh. terrible people. It's, it's, it's <laughs> none of us. I wanted to be like, yeah, but maybe, okay. Well, they're just awful. Uh, never mind that. Bad, bad, bad example. And it's the, the same with the analogy, like like half empty, half full. Mm-hmm. Like it's the, it's that same that same lens that he's talking about, where it's just like we just see things different. So as as comedians, as performers, do you go 
looking for things to observe, or do you just think you're naturally more observant or voracious or? As a comedian, as comedians, we have to constantly be looking at things and and kind of being like, hmm, you know, it's always that that what what is this? What is what is happening? And also always have it kind of being in the moment with things. So when when we when we walk on that stage and we're telling you a story, we're giving you. Uh, obviously uh, it's put into a comedy formula, but we're giving you all the things that we experienced the way we experienced and we're trying to make sense of it. So I think comedy is constantly trying to make sense of things and then finding our own answers. And I think what makes it funny is that you find people find, you find people that actually think just like you or see things. Oh, uh-huh. It is that you're, you're right. I, or I never looked at it like that. So I think that's the, that's the joy in, in comedy and the, for me, the joy in observation is the like I said the, the the small things that people accept that they never question, and then once you question, it's just hey, why is that like that? And I think that's that's what makes comedy fun for me. Yeah, I think for, uh, I don't think comedians are naturally uh, more observant or curious than others. I think that we, this is just the medium that we choose mm-hmm. to express ourselves. Like my girlfriend, she 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 loves music. She sings, so like that's how. That's her. That's her own form of expression. Uh-huh. And so this is just our. This is just our mode. We things come through us, and then it's like, all right, and then we put it back. However, we put it back out. However, that comes out of us, and it's beautiful. We see comedians can have three different takes on a topic like race or politics or whatever, and and when you see it, it's almost like its own sculpture in the room, but with words. I don't know if that sounds. Ooh, that's exactly. That right. is that's poetic. A, that You're is a poet too. So so Odenaki, um is that? Do you think of it as curiosity? No, that, that was something I thought about because when we were coming for curiosity, that's not, that's not a word I would have used. I wouldn't have used the word curiosity, but I think it absolutely applies. Like it, it's definitely uh, like, oh, well, what is, what is that? What's that's? It's something like you know, something gets in your craw, and you're just like just turning it over. And like if uh, if an idea is in my head and I'm thinking about it more than, or if I say something like three times in a conversation. Then I'm like, you know, I should probably say it on stage because this, <laughs> this is this is not leaving. Clearly, uh-huh. I think something about this. So like, so th- if something just if something just keeps coming up, that your mind is your mind is working that idea in the background, and so it's saying, pay attention, pay attention. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. It's so, so if it's not curiosity, what what do you call it? Or I, what I don't are you think looking for? I think we're I think we're all looking for answers, right? Mm-hmm. And so there is a part of curiosity where you're looking for something, but I think curiosity is just looking for the sake of looking. So curiosity is just like I'm turning things over because I want to see what's beneath there. But for us, I think a lot of it is we are turning things over with a purpose. I'm looking for the answers to life. Mm. Not just the joke. I'm absolutely looking for life's answers. I'm looking for life's meaning. I'm looking for who I am as a person. And like Odenaka said, you know, this is how I express whatever I found. And sometimes it's not an expression of what I found. It's an expression of the question again. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm repeating the question with the scenario that tells you why I think this is a question. Right. Why I don't understand. Here's why I don't understand this. Here's here's why this doesn't make sense to me. Here's why. And. I will come up with my hypothesis, but I will also, you know, we just talked about something the other day. Are we trying to answer something um, with this show? And I would tell people all the time that I'm not being redeemed in this show. This show doesn't answer as many questions as it does just show you a thing and allow you to come up with your own conclusions. So for us, we're curious, but I think we're sharing our curiosity as opposed to answering anything. We just want the answers. 
Yeah. We're not always coming up with them. You're hungry. You're hungry. So back up a second, actually, and you know, kind of really briefly describe Nothing to Lose But Our Chains. Um, so talking about looking for answers, there was a, there's a, my favorite comedians of all times are, are two different people. It's, uh, Eddie, it's Richard Pryor and George Carlin for two separate reasons. George Carlin, because I thought, I, I can't think of anyone who had a better way with words, and he was absolutely a modern-day philosopher who just happened to use comedy as his medium. But Richard Pryor, uh, and the clearest way I can say it is he got naked on stage, but mm. he was vulnerable in a way that most of us are not. Very specifically, black men, we are cool, and we do not show you our flaws, and that's just how we were raised. We were literally raised that any flaw is a weakness, and people will use that weakness to exploit you. So Richard Pryor's bravery to be that vulnerable on stage and to talk about his drug addiction and his bi-curiosity and, and just literally every bad thing that happened, he discussed it on stage. And so I thought as a comedian... One of the things that holds me back is that I am not willing to make fun of me. And it's beyond self-deprecation. It's just that introspection that allows you to be honest with people. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like we said, this is our, our medium of choice is comedy. I was able to put a show together that backtracks my life to the point where I'm this person now. And the way I present now is this positive father who does these things for the community, but how did I get there? Yeah. And to pull those layers back and show that we're all flawed human beings and sometimes it takes a lot of crap to get to the good stuff. Um, so that, yeah, nothing to lose is really my journey through the crap to the good stuff. Uh, but it's also a, a vanity project where I learn how to be, I learn how to be vulnerable. I learn how to acknowledge that I am not what you have seen. I'm way less in some areas and way more in other areas. And, and I think that's the connection that I hope people get with it. It's not about whether you had the exact same experiences narrowly. It's that broad. We all have these feelings of imposter syndrome and, and family issues. And, you know, who I am is not who I was and who I am now is not who I'm going to be, et cetera, et cetera. So nothing to lose is like, look, don't give up on yourself. You, yeah. there's, you have nothing to lose but that, that past person. So I was thinking about this this morning, actually, because I found myself at some point in the in the show, I was laughing and I was crying and I was not crying from laughter. I was crying because it hurt. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is so interesting that it's both funny and painful and um, and cathartic. So you're nodding. I mean, talk to me about that that's comedy is usually our way of couching our feelings and pretending that we're okay it's a it's a way of dealing and again you know not to this isn't a racial issue i'm just speaking very specifically of the black community we often hide our pain in comedy and mm -hmm. i don't even know if it's a hidden thing i think we express our pain through comedy uh, we will laugh at a funeral and it's not because we don't have respect for the dead it's our coping mechanism because if we don't laugh it's just too heavy what I wanted to do with this show was to make the audience feel what I felt in those places. And I thought if I could communicate those things, then we were okay. Also, we would go from like this really, really heavy thing to this really, really goofy, funny thing. And then we would go right from this really goofy, funny, powerfully funny, hilarious, hold your stomach laughter thing to maybe one of the more one of the two most heavy pieces of the show comes right after a very funny bit. Mm -hmm. And that's life, right? Life doesn't give you smooth transitions. 
and, and I remember actively saying very early on, I want people to come in expecting to laugh because it's me and it's Second City and I want them to cry and be surprised that they did and then reward them for crying by making sure they feel okay at the end. But not about me. Just feel okay about you and mm-hmm. about life. And when people say I laughed, I cried, it was poignant, I didn't get this part, I did get that part, then I think that's the show I wanted to write. I yeah. didn't want everyone to get it. I didn't want everyone to like it, but I wanted everyone to experience it. It's funny because it says Second City at the top and Felonious Monk, and we are ostensibly in the funny business. But beyond that, you know, comedy is usually just drama, you know, hidden. It's you watch a sitcom. It has a story, it has a narrative, and you're trying to say something. You're usually trying to say something really heavy, but you have to hide it in comedy because people are scared of thinking. And so if you can trick them into not thinking and just figuring it out in their own heads while it's going, I think you've done something. And I hope we've done something. Let's say like like, you know, hurt is the pill, like comedy is the applesauce. You know, like it it helps you go down a little bit smoother. And I think the the, the great thing about this show it, it, the great thing and also the hard thing about this show is for me, like when, when you see the parallel timelines, you see parallel timelines, and alternate timelines. And as a person like Monk and his story, having to actually write out the what ifs, what what if my what I if thought that was such an interesting sequence, these imagined alternative paths. Yeah. I mean, one, it was just a great piece of theater. But yes, that whole kind of it took two weeks to write know, that and it took a year to write that. Does that make uh, sense? It, yeah, it literally, does. if I take the time that I actually had to write it, it took two weeks, three weeks maybe. But it took me from January, February of two, of this year until October to be able to say some of them out loud. Mm. It's just to acknowledge that if I had, I could have had a different life. To acknowledge that my dad could have had it. To acknowledge my mom could have had a very much better life if some things sh- shook out differently. To see my mom cry when that part happened, when she saw the show, lets me know that these were necessary things to say. And yeah, that's a good point. Just writing it was harder sometimes because I'm like, you're finally admitting this out loud. Mm -hmm. You're saying you're going to say this in front of thousands of people. Are you are you ready to say I'm still not ready to say it, but I've done it. It's already, you know, I pulled the scab off, but it's it's a lot. And, 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 I, and I think that's the that's the, the 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 tough thing in life, if if your life isn't what you wanted it to be, is like once when you don't when you when you're not where you want to be in life, you look back like man, what if this would have happened? What if I would have got that job? What if I would have got accepted to this school? What if I would have not did this? Or if I did do this? like that's the that's a tough thing for anybody to you know to to grapple with like man, what what would my life have been? And to see that kind of play out on stage and also have to write that, I think. I think that's amazing. I think that's like some of the I think that's what makes this show great is like it goes through like choices and what is and then also getting to a place where it's just like, no, this is who I am. And also accepting that. And how how do I take the reins of my life and and, and push it in and and control it in the direction that I want to be? And I think that's a that's a great thing about this show. It also it's this interesting invitation to sort of imagine the alternative futures mm-hmm. you can have. It's like, how might I craft a path, you know, so that the story going forward is maybe one that you control a little bit more, maybe one you're happy, a little bit happier about. Yeah. I mean, for me, that was the effect the, of sort of looking backward that way through multiple <laughs> versions to so, think about, so how do I... 
We just How talked about I running this forward? as a backward show last night as a kind of a, a, a joke. Oh, we were talking about, hey, what if we did this show and we started with the end and ended with the beginning? But I, I think that would be a show that was about losing control, mm-hmm. right? And this show is about taking responsibility and acknowledging that there are still things you can't control. Yeah. There are going to be circumstances and situations that are out of your power but everything that's within your power to control take it seriously when you make a decision take it seriously when you're running late get in the uber immediately um but yeah take take these things in life seriously there are no throwaway decisions well you you actually have a line in the show about every choice matters every choice matters yeah, and that's why there Which are is, no I, I came uh, home and i had choices. this little slip it was like the back of their promotion thing in the program i had all these lines written down <laughs> I couldn't read them because I was writing in the dark, but and I you're, wouldn't take you my making eyes my off day. the screen. And right it, this, this is the thought: like whenever we think of, at least for me, if I think of parallel timelines of my life and decisions that I made, it's never middle of the road. It's either like it would have been amazing or it would have been it would have been the worst thing. The ever. worst, yeah, yeah. There's never any middle road. Like if I would have made this decision, it would have been average. Yeah, it would have <laughs> been like there's no average. It's either amazing or terrible like uh-huh. I, and, I, and i wonder why that is like think, why the, yeah. like because i think I, we question are, are, ourselves are we curiosity in, yeah are we living in the middle is our life right now the middle like man i would have had i would have had the best job or i'd I ended been, up in jail i could have been barack obama or i could still be selling crack like those are those yeah. and maybe there were another where well, there's another option i could have been an accountant yeah you know not just, that there's anything wrong with being an accountant for all the accountants out there listening <laughs> i'm just saying that's it so so there's a i've just been thinking about kind of the irreverence of what you all do. I mean, you do a lot of satire. You know, you're sort of poking the bear, right? <laughs> and um, Saul Alinsky has this great line about curiosity and irreverence go together. And Nabokov has this line about curiosity as insubordination in its highest form. Wow. I know. That's great it. lines, right? I, 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 I don't mean to cut you off, but it's just like as insubordination and curiosity, it's like when you're a kid, like, and you ask your parent a question, it's like, because I said so. Mm-hmm. Stop asking questions because I said so. And like that is ins- to think that is insubordination to want to know information. I just, I just want to know. Hey, I where are we going? Are we there yet? Right. Don't worry about it. You're not driving. <laughs> My mother and I recently had, after the show actually, had this conversation about she thought, she said, I don't know what happened to you one day. You just wouldn't do anything I said. And I said, because you would never tell me why I was doing it. And that at some point didn't make sense to me anymore. And that was really it. And it was, in effect, if you're a child and you just stop doing what your parents say, that is absolutely insubordination. This is an authority figure and you are refusing to do what the. But as a human being, a thinking human being, why would you just blindly lemon like a lemming jump off? a? You said so. That doesn't make sense. Why am I doing it? And that's absolutely my philosophy with every. Why do why? I need to know why I'm doing it or it's going to be tough for me to buy in. And so, yeah, we're not asking questions. But curiosity saves the world. It's, I, I, my favorite two questions are why and why not. Why? Uh, why yeah. We yeah. can't. We, we can't let. You, we can't let you go. Why, why? not? Uh-huh. Be, you know, it's you know the rules. Are, but why? You know, I, I think right. why is one of the. It's, it's the great question. That's that's policy. It's not an answer to me. And why when, is that the policy? You, and when you tell, and when you don't have explanation, then it's like then it can be it can be changed. Okay, so I have to I have to ask this question. Um, and I, I don't remember the research exactly, but one of the things that stopped my heart um, at some point when I was looking, maybe it, I was doing a show about a program here in Arlington that um, provides services to support people who are recently 
um, coming out of incarceration, reentry into the community. And we were talking about sort of curiosity and trauma and that whole kind of complicated mm. intersection. And one of the things that I read in or preparing for that show was the difference between how white kids and black kids are treated for their curiosity yep. by by society. And yep. and I just wonder if you could you're so, saying, yep. I mean so we have this great scene and I never acknowledge this in the show, but there's a great scene between he and I and Mackenzie where yeah. he just loses it and he, talks crazy Odenaka. to his mother. Odanaka, <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep pointing to him because you guys can see that. <laughs> uh, but Odanaka loses it and just starts talking to his in the scene his mother extremely right. recklessly right um I, we never say explicitly in the scene but odinaka is a white child that i grew up that with. was abundantly clear to me instantly right <laughs> right that's why we never say it we never point that out other than to me making a suggestion that that's a white thing to do we never point out that he actually is but that was a that was a thing that absolutely happened and i always thought that white kids were reckless what I never mm. considered was that they had opinions and their families, even if they did not like those opinions or the way they expressed them, allowed them to have opinions and feelings. Yeah. I could not get mad at my mother. That was not a valid or valuable a thing that could, you mad at me, go to your room. Wait for having a normal human response to something that happened. And so what I used to think was, black families and black parents and that was a cultural thing that we did and it wasn't it was a reaction to what we perceived as a threat you need to know that you don't question authority and you need to know that from the very beginning and so we talk about these you know black parents spank their kids that's how we were raised yeah we were raised that way because they were terrified if we didn't get this discipline and learn to toe the line early we could die it was literally life and death right. how do you fix that system without acknowledging that this is really structural supremacy that we've passed down for decades. And if I didn't have a kid, maybe I'd just move. But, you know, I, it, that part of that that particular scene, and again, we don't do blatant satire. We subtly slide things in. And we talk about, you know, how that, how that affected me later. Yeah. I am absolutely the kid that I am now because I'm still a kid. I'm the kid that I am now because I saw ki kids actually question their parents when I was younger. And I rebelled, but I didn't know how. Now I'm old enough to know how to rebel. And I question absolutely everything. Everything is on the table for questioning. My existence is on the table for questioning. This like you can, there's no ridiculous question now. There are no ridiculous questions, but there are time constraints here at WERA 96.7 FM. Stick around for our analogies, and you can hear the much longer original version of this conversation, unedited, uncut, at choosetobecurious.com. Special thanks to my guests, Thelonious Monk, Calvin Evans, and Odinaka Ezekoli, and to Michaela Stubley and Antonio Villaronga for helping make this show possible. Join us next time for a talk with astrophysicist and author Mario Livio on what makes us curious. Until then, choose to be curious. So, so, so here's one of these things you can't control, right? Like time is finite, which means I cannot control that we are out of time. But there is always time for my jar. So this is the big jar of wannabe analogies. In this jar, there are little slips of paper. We're going to take one out, and I want you to make an analogy to curiosity mm. with whatever is on your slip of paper. 
So go ahead, take a slip. So, all right. There you go. You guys get to go first because that's the last <laughs> one here, and I have no idea what to do. I took two. I took two. You took two. All right. Well, now I'll you got to do both of them. Eh? No. Now give no, me one. All right. We'll take one for the audience. Okay. Who wants to go first, or I can go first. Whatever. You can go first. I'll go first. Okay. Show us how to do it. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, mine says honey jar. How is curiosity like a honey jar? Um, Curiosity is like a honey jar because you have to dip into it, and um, and the reward is a sweetness that um, that enhances life. Now I want honey. <laughs> that was that was poetry. That wasn't that, was that wasn't even an analogy. No, this is beautiful that was poetry. That was beautiful. All right, who's beautiful. next? Oh, you who's good. next? Odenaki, he's like he's like itching. I can see it. Uh, all right, I got weeds. All right. And uh, curiosity is like weeds because if you smoke in it right, <laughs> I, you will never run dry. Okay, never. <laughs> I, I, I feel bad I would, because I would have said weeds are curiosity because they pop up. This is mine, okay? Yeah. You want to go back? I just no, knew you were going to mention smoking the weeds. I, I don't know the, as the soon first, as you said it. The first thing I thought was, um, you know. This is corny, but you know, you get them little tea things, like the Yogi teas, and I always have a little mm-hmm. message. And always, one of them uh, it says, uh, The difference between a flower and a weed is a judgment. Ah. And that, wow. I feel like that's a direct yeah. parallel to curiosity because if you call it a weed and you call this a flower, why do you call that a weed and why do you call it a flower? And if you, if you look at it at a deeper level, you know, you can always, there's always something behind the first thing that you think. And that is, and if you can always think about that to be able to step back. I mean, that's the curiosity. We need to get into that observing mind. And, Pretty sure um, that was still about smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm you giving out bouquets of, of weeds. You just get people bouquets of weeds. It's yeah, like, get your girl a bouquet not, of weeds. That's not like, weeds. These, this is flowers. What makes sense? I'm mad What's wrong with you? You can't even see. Are you like you roses? You know how long it took me to pick these? Dude, <laughs> roses have thorns. Why is that yeah. desirable? Those, these that's, not, no that's not a rash. That's a bouquet on your arm. That's it. That's, arm, that's skin excitement. That's skin joy. Uh, <laughs> skin joy. That <laughs> <laughs> oh. make me chuckle. Oh. All right. I Wait, got um, All right, Calvin. I got cobblestones. Uh oh. curiosity is like cobblestones because why are people still using cobblestones? <laughs> <laughs> it is the worst type of streets and sidewalks. It's uneven. Who do do, do people tuck point sidewalks? Can you tuck point sidewalks? It's the most hard thing to walk on. Um I don't know much about cobblestones. Um but I feel like um, that's my question. Why are people still using cobblestone? I'm curious about that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Curiosity raises it, or cobblestones oh, raise your curiosity. Yeah. And cobblestone right. is also raised when it's not properly taken <laughs> Nicely care Nicely done. <laughs> that is. There's a lot of those in, in DC. They yeah. love, they're well, this is an old town. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. the worst. Like, just, like, like they be yeah. putting them like after the, uh, along the sidewalk. They put extra bricks along. Like how much? How many yeah. bricks do you need? Yeah. How many people do you want to see fall? You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite thing is to just stand out around the corner from the theater and watch people fall. Look at you, look at you. Exposed brick. Watch where you walk inside. <laughs> DC loves exposed brick. Yeah. <laughs> it's got it's got personality. <laughs> All right, Monk. What do you have? Gentrified sidewalks. I have planting, uh, and curiosity is like planting because, of course, if you water it and take care of it and expose it to the right things. Um, something beautiful will grow out of it, whether it's a weed or a flower. Uh, it's up to you. There you. Woo! 
Wow. All right. Uh. All right. And audience, uh, we have one for you. How is curiosity like breakfast? Let us know. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. You know, I just every time I have these conversations, I go away thinking about whatever the topic was in a different way. And um, I feel like the fact that I was laughing and crying at your show makes me understand comedy differently. So thank you, all three, for that. Thank you for for having us. And thank you, Calvin, for saying that uh, comedy was observation or this may not have happened. Never happened. You're a beautiful man. Thank you. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com.